Welcome to Decrypt, Asia's first blockchain and cryptocurrency podcast. I'm your host, Tushar. Each week, we take a deep dive into the Asian blockchain scene with investors, technologists, and industry insiders. Go to decrypt.asia to subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Telegram to join in the discussions. Welcome to the show, Zinshu. Hello. Hello, everyone. Before we get into Zilliqa, could you tell our audience a little bit about your background and how Zilliqa came about? Sure. Uh, my background, I'm a computer scientist. So I, I worked on cybersecurity for web browsers and then moved on to uh, securing the control software components for larger scale systems, such as smart grids and transportation systems. But, you know, deep in my heart, I'm, I'm soft, uh, sort of a software person. And the blockchain is really a very exciting piece of software. And uh, my um, PhD collaborator, Pradik Saxena, sort of brought me into this space uh, when he started to talk to me about you know, blockchain and blockchain. I, I also personally got excited about it from the technical perspective. That's why I sort of joined in, into this industry and started to work on uh, the blockchain technologies, first as a, a private blockchain deployments for bone trading. And then eventually we decided that we want to take this to the next step, which is to make it a, a very public and open platform. That's how we started the project Zilliqa in 2017. So I recently found out that the name Zilliqa has a very interesting backstory. Can you share that story and how it aligns with your broader vision? Yeah, it's, it's a play of the, on the word uh, silica or silicon. You know, if you look at that element, um, which backs sort of the whole computer industry, we also envision that uh, a new platform like Zilliqa will empower the whole, you know, ecosystem of high throughput decentralized applications. So that's really our vision and our hope onto this platform. Yeah, so, uh, sounds good. I mean, I think it, it was very interesting. I was, I found out last night during my research I see. Uh, through your Medium blog post where you talk about going on the mainnet. Uh, I thought very, that was very interesting and something that our audience should know about. Uh, so Zilliqa is the first public blockchain that tries to solve the problem, problem of scalability through sharding. I want to talk a little bit about sharding and uh, scalability. Uh, so, but before talking about scalability, could you talk, um, in very, very simple terms about what sharding is? Uh, sharding is one technology or a paradigm of different technologies uh, that tries to solve this issue with uh, scalability, scalability, or we can call it you know, scalability bottleneck in today's blockchain. So this is the issue that uh, how many transactions you can process every second, uh, whether it's five or it's 10 or, you know, some people envision that it needs to be thousands or tens of thousands. So that's the issue uh, sharding tries to solve. Uh, by sharding, we mean that you divide the blockchain network of computers into different sort of groups. And then you ask each of the groups uh, to work on a subset of the problems. And eventually you aggregate all the solutions together. So at the high level, this is about dividing and conquering. Of course, you know, once you get into the details, how do you divide? and how do you aggregate? When dividing, how do you make sure that uh, security is not broken? You know, th these are some of the challenges um, every sharding uh, proposal has to, has to address. Yeah, I think we'll go into a little bit more detail as we progress through the interview in terms of how the network is designed and also what a, what a sample transaction might look like within the Zilliqa network. 
but before that, I want to talk about, um, you know, why choose sharding. So there are different ways to solve the scalability problem. For example, on Ethereum, there are some layer two solutions. Uh, you guys are obviously trying to solve the scalability problem within the blockchain itself on the layer one. Uh, but there are also other consensus mechanisms uh, like delegated proof of stake, which uh, also solve the scalability problem, but may have some you know, security trade-offs. Uh, so I just want to understand why you chose sharding and if there's any other ways that you considered uh, to solve this particular problem at the blockchain level itself at, at layer one. So um, first of all, there are different levels on where you can solve this issue or where you can contribute to you know, the overall solution of this scalability issue. As you mentioned, sometimes people can um, build layer two solutions, which will have a much higher throughput as well as much lower latency. Um, so that's probably something very interesting and very promising. But on the other hand, uh, you, you, you cannot just solve all the scalability problems without doing anything on layer one. Because once layer two, let's say layer two payment channels become, um, become popular, they still need some interactions with layer one. And then um, when, when the sort of uh, throughput of layer two becomes very high, so that, that will become a burden on layer one blockchain itself. So eventually you still want a faster blockchain, you know, um, in simple words. On the other hand, layer two solutions are more suitable for certain types of applications where uh, decentralization may not be a top concern. Where if you want much higher decentralization, you will still probably prefer a solution on layer one itself. So that's sort of the difference, um, differences between layer one and layer two scalability solutions. I think eventually it's going to be a combination of both. They are quite complementary to each other. And uh, if you want to support many different types of applications, you will probably need you know, different solutions. And uh, compared to other on-chain scalability solutions, such as delegated proof of stake, I think uh, th there are trade-offs that uh, you know, every designer of the blockchain protocol has, has, to, has to strike. So for example, delegated proof of stake can be very fast in reaching uh, any agreement or consensus. But on the other hand, because depending on the level of delegation, sometimes you know, with very high level delegation, you only have a few nodes or you know, 20, 30 nodes making all the decisions. So that's what you just mentioned. You know, you know, it bring to this attention of security concerns because attacking, let's say 20, 30 nodes, will be considered much easier than attacking hundreds or even thousands of nodes. So it, you know, it doesn't mean that this, this, this thing is, is not as good as different other solutions. It, it also means that uh, we look at what kind of applications, decentralized applications you want to support. So certain applications may have uh, super high requirements on, on throughput and latency. And then you either have to choose um, payment channels on layer two, or you have to use sort of a, a heavily delegated proof of stake approach to get to that kind of requirements. But on the other hand, for other applications where uh, you can afford uh, some of the latency, then, and on the, on the other hand, you also want a, a very high level assurance that things are you know, running properly in a very transparent and open way and un unbiased way, let's say. Then you probably want a solution like sharding because it's, it's on layer one, it's still a very open and transparent and decentralized solution. And on the other hand, it, it guarantees a very high level of security assurance. So beyond sharding, is there any other way to solve the scalability problem on layer one, but still have 
uh, a secure network or decent level of security and also decent levels of decentralization? I, I think the answer is uh, it will be, um, there will be such solutions. But uh, today, I think there are a few promising candidates people are exploring, for example, this uh, DAG. Um, there are several proposals around that, but still I think uh, um, people need to dip a little, uh, dig a little deeper into that and try, try to understand the different security sort of implications of different um, DAG uh, directed um, acyclic uh, uh, graph solutions. So uh, there can be other proposals coming up. I think, I think, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that uh, sharding is the only way uh, going to solve the problem. But to me, at this stage, this is the most compelling solution. If you want on-chain scalability and you want decentralization and security at the same time. Yeah. So since we're talking about some of your competitors as well, uh, and you mentioned uh, DAGs, uh, but let's talk about your direct comp competitors. So Ethereum is trying to implement sharding as well, but I guess from a timeline perspective, it's a little bit out. Uh, there are projects like Definity or Algorand that could pose as strong competitors as well. Um, so they use this, you know, new consensus mechanism uh, called threshold relay, but they could also implement sharding. So how would you say Zilliqa stands relative to some of these newer projects? I think, I think uh, we are trying to solve similar problems, but going um, after different approaches. So uh, sharding, as I said, you know, you can call it a technology or I would call it like a paradigm where, you know, it, it guides you in terms of de designing a protocol. And uh, you can have quite different ways um, where you uh, embrace this idea of sharding in your design, but, you know, ending up with, with quite different approaches. So what Zilliqa uh, stands out today is that uh, it, it has found a very empirical and a very feasible solution that it has already implemented into its mainnet. And there are many other interesting ideas we are going to explore, uh, which will you know, render maybe the Zilliqa solution or Zilliqa design quite different from it is today. Um, but I think it's, it's very interesting to see at least one of the blockchains um, implementing this sharding idea and, uh, and making it work. Uh, we, are, we are open to you know, looking at other different approaches but uh, one fundamental difference also is that uh, Zilliqa has not you know, adopted anything around proof of stake or delegated proof of stake um, because, because of many of our security and decentralization concerns. But that's clearly an interesting aspect that someone you know, got to really look deep into that and, and see how do we make uh, DPoS more secure and, and more feasible. Yeah, that's interesting. So let's go a little bit more into how Zilliqa looks like. So what does the network design look like at a high level? And I think we touched on it a little bit uh, when you were talking about sharding earlier and, and what a sample transaction might look like if I'm sending, uh, you know, Zilinx, which is your, your native currency uh, to someone else within the network. I think let, let me address the second question. I think the transactions will be very similar to Ethereum. Of course, the, the exact you know, implementation and fields may be slightly different, but you know, the high-level idea is very similar. You can send transactions to, to transfer zeals. You can also send um, transactions or whatever name you may call it to trigger smart contracts, to invoke smart contracts. And then the, the network architecture of Zilliqa is slightly complicated. You know? um, so for example, you have two types of Committees, one is called directory service committee, which is uh, the overarching committee governing many of the things. And then you will also have the shard committees, 
where they are, they are the actual nodes uh, forming groups to process uh, transactions and, and, and reaching consensus. But we also have a slightly different peripheral network of nodes, which sometimes we call them lookup nodes, he nodes, or things like that. So basically those peripheral nodes are the uh, gateways to access the, the network. The reason we are currently separating um, you know, the, the lookup and CC nodes from the nodes who are actually running consensus is for security reasons, because we want to protect the network and, and we don't want like all these nodes to be completely publicly accessible. So these are some of the design uh, rationales behind you know, why Zilliqa network you know, looks like what it, what it, it does today. So I, I was actually familiar with the DS committee, the director, director service committee uh, that you talked about and mm -hmm. the shard committees as well. But, you know, there's another thing that you mentioned, which is the preferred committee. Is that what it's called? Oh, no, no, it, it's, 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 it's like a sort of like peripheral network okay. uh, with, with nodes, which will provide, let's say, API access to, for example, exchanges then these exchanges can host a node so that they have all the data of all the past transactions, all the current status, without having to be um, part of the consensus, which are really the nodes in the DS committees and the shard committees. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, you know, while I was doing research, the, the picture that I had in my head was, I mean, I think Zilliqa is structured like a, like a tree, so to say, with, you know, the trunk being the, the main layer or the top layer, which is, uh, you know, the DS committee, as you, as you call it. Um, and then the tree has different branches, which are the different shards. Um, and then the branches have different sub branches, which are the individual nodes. And so individual sub branches or nodes group together and form different shards. And then, um, and then ultimately, you know, the, the block is, uh, appended to the blockchain through the, the trunk. So uh, I'm just trying to figure out where these, the, the different nodes that you mentioned um, at the moment, um, where they would fit into this sort of bigger picture of, of how the network looks like. And I'm not even sure if that is a good analogy of uh, how I described the network. So from the, let's, let's look at storage of blocks because blockchain eventually is about a chain of blocks stored on nodes or computers. We, we have two chains in a sense, these, chain, chain, these two chains are linked. So one chain uh, is about these blocks generated by the direction service um, um, committee. And then we have, a block, uh, we have a blockchain there. And then we have a second blockchain, you know, in a sense, which is that uh, it contains uh, the transactions accepted um, by, by, you know, the shard nodes as well, sometimes, you know, in a specific case by the DS nodes as, as well. And then the blocks generating this in the second sort of chain uh, will be linked to a specific block, um, plus specific blocks in the first chain. So that's how the, you know, blockchain is structured. But now this is slightly different from how you, how do you generate such blocks versus how do you store such blocks? So if you look at uh, these nodes who are running consensus, they are these nodes responsible of generating such blocks. And then they don't have to store everything because if they have to store everything at the same time, uh, they are, they're just burdened maybe too much, especially considering Zilliqa is a high throughput blockchain. So that's why uh, we also have other nodes who are actually storing these data. You know, they don't have to be participating in the generation of the blocks, but they store them. 
And uh, usually people don't even need such storage because, because they don't care. The, the only thing they care is I send you $5. So what's the you know, final balance, balances between our accounts? But there are specific applications such as, let's say, exchanges, such as uh, um, things like Etherscan, basically block explorers. They may want to you know, have the whole history of all the block data. That's a time you know, they will either host a node to store everything or they will interact with nodes who are storing everything. So yes, I, I have to confess that it's getting a bit complicated, but uh, you know, the complicated design, number one, stems from the, the, the practical needs. Uh, number two is that we are, we are looking into ways so that we can, we can simplify things. But uh, this is the, the architecture at this stage. Yeah, so now, now I think things are a lot more clear, at least uh, for me, I'm not sure if, the, uh, if, you know, if we lose the audience at this point, but, uh, but now, I mean, it, it's very clear in my head because uh, so you've got sort of the main chain where you don't store the history of transactions also because um, the, the transactions in Zilliqa are, um, uh, have finality, right? Um, so you don't need to store the history, uh, historical in, transactions. In the sense that uh, if you look at the chain, I mean, chain is, is a conceptual thing. Um, really, how do, you, how, how do you store the information about the chain and where do you store such information so that you can reconstitute the chain whenever needed. So that's, that's how the design you know, works out where you have different nodes you know, storing different data. But conceptually speaking, you can just think that you know, it's as simple as two chains and then all the chains are storing everything. So that, that's a conceptual level. So it's really down to the implementation level where, where do we store such information. Okay, um, got it. Um, so, you know, I want to sort of switch gears a little bit and talk about the big announcement that you guys had recently. You went on the mainnet and um, so I have some questions around this. So first of all, if someone wants to build on Zilliqa, but they've been building on another blockchain, say Ethereum, what's the process to port over to Zilliqa? So we don't have like a turnkey solution at this stage, although that's something we've you know, always thinking about in our mind, whether we can build like a, like a tool chain, which can almost automatically convert uh, Solidity smart contracts into our smart contracts. Um, we don't have that yet. So at this stage, it's still sort of a manual process where you need to translate uh, your Solidity smart contracts into Scylla. Um, it, it depends because we have actually done some of this for our partner projects and uh, it usually doesn't take us too much time. Uh, of course, depending on the complexity of the smart contracts itself, but usually that's a very minority piece in terms of you know, migrating uh, D apps. To me, I think migrating, migrating decentralized applications will require much, much more effort in other aspects. For example, do you want to redesign your user experience, your user inter interfaces? And uh, how, how do you design this architecture? I, will, will, your, will your application be uh, across two chains? or where you'll be you know, migrating some of your users from one chain to another, or you're actually opening up, let's say, a new, new sector of you know, users on the new, new chain. I think these things really require more effort than just the technical migration of the smart contracts. Could you talk about some applications that are building on top of Zilliqa? So there was one big announcement recently about HG Exchange, which seems to be like a securities token platform. A couple of other companies, I know Mindshare is one of the companies that is trying to build on Zilka as well. Could you talk about some of these applications and what you have in the pipeline as well? Sure. So uh, if you look at SG Exchange, right? So this is under the, the you know, broader umbrella of tokenization. I think tokenization is still a very interesting application for blockchain. 
uh, although we are seeing ICOs having challenges being questioned, but nevertheless, you know, if you don't talk about ICO per se, tokenization, especially tokenization of assets, it's still very interesting. Blockchain, especially pub public blockchains, provide an open and uh, you know uh, transparent platform to represent the ownership of different assets. So that's why you know we are working with several partners in in sort of uh, strengthening our our strategy along this line. We do think this this um, tokenization can be a very promising application for for blockchain 2019 and, and beyond. Um, and uh, the second application you just mentioned is about uh, actually is about settlement at this stage um, in the digital advertising space because you have many players uh, today they are using uh, very traditional means to do settlements sometimes you know, it's not the most cost effective not the most efficient way to do things uh, using a blockchain you can actually bring different parties uh, onto the same platform and they, they can see through things you know there's nothing that you know anyone can hide from each other and they will quickly using using you know smart contract they can quickly agree to uh, the you know the settlement options and and that can just improve the efficiency um, by by a very you know large factor so that's something we are, we are seeing interesting in this digital advertising space but of course the same concept can apply to other industries and on the other hand I think just to you know uh, boost sort of some of the initial interest on this platform as well. We want to work with uh, gaming companies because uh, games can can see adoptions much easier than some of the other applications. Because uh, as long as you make the games interesting, gamers will just come to to your platform. So that's why you know we are working with several gaming companies to create interesting games on Zilliqa as well. Uh, I think going forward, we are also exploring you know other sectors uh, such as payments, for example. That's always you know a very interesting story. Uh, for Zilliqa is a high throughput and a high security blockchain. Yeah, it's interesting. So I, I did see that Ethereum on, uh, or the Ethereum on guys are right. trying to build uh, on, on, your, uh, on, on your platform, uh, which is interesting because we've had the Ethereum on guys on this podcast as well previously. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, so in terms of, so we were talking about, you know, your mainnet. Um, so, and we've talked about some of the applications that are build, building on Zilliqa and what are some of the potential applications that could be built on Zilliqa, especially applications that need a high throughput. Uh, from a performance perspective, what's the performance been like uh, on the mainnet versus what the performance was like um, on the testnet? We don't have the data ready for the mainnet yet because we just haven't got time to really um, properly stress test the platform. Uh, of course, you know, we cannot really stress test the mainnet, but what we can do is that we will uh, have a, a testnet with exactly the same setting as a mainnet, then we can stress test there. Uh, from what, what we gathered in the, in the past, I think we could, you know, easily get thousands of transactions a, a second on our testnet. But really, you know, with all the recent changes on the, on the mainnet, we haven't got proper time to, to do that. Um, but that's definitely something we're we interested in doing and we'll report once we have those data ready. And, and how many nodes have joined the network already? Could you give us a view? So uh, you can actually go to explorer.zilica.com uh, to see the current status of the mainnet. I think uh, roughly speaking, we have uh, three shards. Uh, with about 2,400 nodes. But sometimes, you know, of course, due to mining difficulties, some nodes may not be able to join. Um, but that's, that's the ballpark number. We have generated more than 15,000 transactions. And uh, I, think, I think we have more than 900 nodes from, from the community at this stage. 
so you said you have 2400 nodes but 900 nodes from the community is it yes yes okay um, okay that's interesting and are you do you foresee sort of having around 800 so you mentioned three shards and 2400 nodes uh, do you foresee about having 800 nodes in each of these shards we we now have 600 nodes uh, in in every shard okay okay um, that's uh, interesting. Um, so, you know, uh, taking a step back, so we've talked about um, sharding, we've talked about scalability, we've talked about how your network looks like in general. Um, how can people, what are the people that are building on your platform and who are the people that could potentially build? I want to take a step back and sort of, you know, go more macro. So there are a few problems uh, that exist at the protocol level with some mm -hmm. of the Gen 3 protocols, I mean, depending on how you classify them. Uh, mm. are trying to solve. So, you know, there's scalability, which you're trying to solve. I've seen that you're trying to solve um, issues around privacy, uh, robustness of smart contracts through implementation of you know, formal verification. Um, but th there's one problem that I haven't uh, sort of come across uh, mm. in, in your documentation or some of the other interviews that you've done, which is governance. What do you mm. make of governance from Zilliqa's perspective, you know, there are some projects that are trying to solve, I mean, there's two sort of camps. There's some projects trying to solve the problem of governance on chain. Um, Ethereum is still, uh, you know, dealing with governance off chain. Mm. What is your view of governance um, from Zilliqa's perspective, but also, you know, more broadly speaking as a topic within the blockchain industry? I think that's, that's still a challenge. Um, um, honestly speaking, I, I, I do not think this is a problem that's solved or, you know, people have a really huge success story around it. I think there are a few proposals, but we still need to see how these proposals will, will, span out, uh, yeah, will pan out. Um, so from Zilliqa's perspective, I think we will go offline uh, for, in terms of governance um, before we can really have uh, a good solution that's really convincing to, to everyone. Um, I mean, a convincing on-chain solution. Because, because I think one, one barrier is that uh, Zilliqa token is a, is a utility token. If you give token holders voting rights, um, there are chances that it may be deemed as a security token, which is not really our intention. So that's sort of a fundamental barrier for us to really work out some of the on-chain governance solutions. But nevertheless, you know, we may, we may explore some other, other ways around it. Uh, at this stage, I think we are sort of going after a similar route as Ethereum. You know, in the beginning, this Zilliqa team will play a, a very influential role in spearheading you know, the directions of the uh, project. But we have already started the process of engaging the community. And to a certain point when the community becomes more mature and then they can really sort of take on certain initiatives themselves, we will we'll be very supportive for those initiatives. And uh, we will try to do things in a, in a very collaborative way. And hopefully, really hopefully, after some time, can be a very long time, the community can really pick up this role of, you know, deciding the future directions of the project. But, uh, you know, that's really going to be a long journey, I think. Sure. But do you think, I mean, if there were no regulatory issues uh, about uh, Zill being a security, um, if there were no constraints from that perspective, do you think on-chain governance could work at this you stage? Know, Yes, I, I think I think if if uh, we don't have or in general blockchains don't have uh, restrictions, you know, in terms of utility versus security tokens, or somehow you know that can be sorted out, it can be supported by the regulators. I think on-chain governance is definitely a gym for everyone in this space, 
because you just don't want this kind of out of band channel, right? You don't want that, you know, imperfection. You just want everything to be codified in smart contracts and then things can be decided automatically. Um, that's the gym. Okay. Uh, I think that's, that's a fair point. Uh, before we end, I want to get your outlook on the industry in general. Where do you think we're heading in the next couple of years? Any big things that occupy a mind share for you? I think, I think, you know, we are, we are still trying, I mean, not just Zilliqa, I think many of the other blockchains are still trying to, to figure out sort of what would be the focus area. You know, in the beginning, everyone would probably just want to be a generalist. But going forward, I think we see increasing, increasing number of uh, trade-offs and priorities you have, to, you have to play with. So, for example, you can't have the best of everything. You can't have the fastest blockchain, you know, with the highest throughput, lowest latency, highest decentralization, you know, highest security. You know, it's just, there just doesn't exist anything like that. But uh, what would be the focus area or focus applications or the categories of applications that we really want to support as our top priority? So these are the things probably I think uh, the industry has to decide on the, on the individual project basis. And then prioritize the technical architecturing, uh, architecting and, and sort of technical development around that. I think that's what I see as a very exciting direction and also a very um, interesting direction going forward. So, I mean, what you're saying and, and just summarize is that mm. you see multiple blockchains with different value propositions and then mm. applications building on top of uh, the blockchain, which is more suited to them. And then these blockchains interacting with each other through. Yeah, I, 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 yeah I would love to have that. Okay. Yeah, I think, I think that was a, a very good discussion. Thank you, Sintru. I know you're very, very busy. Uh, thank you for taking the time to come speak with us. Thank you. Thank you very much. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Telegram, and subscribe to our newsletter on decrypt.asia. This is your host, Tashar. Thank you for listening.